Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Black Girl Gone Afterthoughts. I, of course, am your host, Amara, and I am here with my husband and my co-host, Jason. What's up? So this week, we told um, the story about Helene Nikki Anderson and her four-year-old daughter, Adrienne Hale. Uh, And, you know, like all stories, this was a tough story, but it's always harder when there's a a child, especially a child as young as Adrienne was. and just the brutality of the murder in and of itself. It's just was it's a very difficult story to uh, research and and tell, but it's an important story because of the fact that it is unsolved. And um, some of you may have been familiar with um, Nikki's story. You may have heard it um, on other podcasts, or you may have seen it um, on some true crime shows. I know it was featured on the Paula Zahn show. So I, you know, I know some people were familiar with it, but. Nonetheless, the story is, um, the case is unsolved. And so, you know how I feel about unsolved cases. Like, you just, you know, there's there's still a reason to tell the story because there are people out there who don't know about the story. And although this is a, um, you know, a case that took place 37 and, years ago, yeah, this you was know. In a, this was in the 80s. Yeah, this was before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there, there's always a chance, you know. There, there's never not a chance. Um, and like I said at the end of the episode, it's a long time, but it's not long enough if you know about a murder, you remember a murder. Somebody told you about a murder oh, yeah. thirty-seven years ago. You you remember that, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's why it's just important to keep these type of stories um, out there and keep and keep telling these stories so that people hear them and and they spark interest and also to let people know that there people that people are still telling the story that people are still out there trying to figure out what happened. Yeah, and and definitely that um, 
things things can always happen. Even though this is a little bit older, a um, little bit newer, you uh, posted um, a covered story that you did mm-hmm. in 2001, the story of uh, Unique Harris. Yeah. And um, uh, the Department of Justice uh, put out a press release a press release on uh, June 23rd, uh, last Friday, um, just basically saying that um, Isaac Moy was convicted of this crime yeah. uh, years later. And um, I know it's crazy because um, uh, it says that he was going back and forth with his story when they mm-hmm. you know, uh, questioned him. But ultimately... Um, uh, some um, he also testified to another person mm-hmm. um, and said that there was a missing girl, but that the police were never going to find her because mm-hmm. he did it, but did it the right way. Mm-hmm. Something to that effect was what the press release states. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, you never know what people, um, even somebody that might have been involved, might ultimately do or say. So uh, it's it's always good to yeah. uh, tell these you stories, never know. but th- that's. Uh, Unique Harris's story is um, a yeah, great just, story Story that reflects that um, special yeah. love to her family. Yeah, it's just uh, an example justice. of how how it can it can take a long time, but it's not an it's not impossible. And you know, I mentioned Unique's um, you know the story at the beginning of of this episode, uh, the the conviction of of Isaac Moy, and. Like I said, it, it is because of the fact that it, it took it took a long time for her family to get justice. Thirteen years um, for her family to get justice, but they they got it, and it took a long time for him to be arrested. He wasn't even arrested right away. So, although thirty seven years is a longer period of time, it's not impossible. It's not an impossible um, story, a, a case to be solved after all. It's not impossible for a case to be solved after all of that time. And I think that this is one of those cases, and the police believe that it's one of those cases that is solvable. They're they're very close, you know. They're 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 really one step away from figuring out who did this. And nine times out of ten, it's gonna come from somebody who knows something. It's not gonna come from the killer themselves. They're not likely to come forward and say, Yeah, it was me. That's not impossible, but it's unlikely. Right. It's more likely that it's going to be someone that knows the killer, who the killer confided in or or knew something. Um, or that just straight least, up knew the situation. Yeah, they could get them at least close enough to have people to, um, to an, an, another person to to test the DNA against. So, Okay, so let's get into a real recap of um, the story. Uh, go ahead and get a, uh, give us a whole breakdown, kind of the overall story. Okay, so just a brief a brief recap of the story. Uh, this week's story took place, like I said, 37 years ago. Um, and it is the story of 27-year-old Helene Nikki Anderson and her four-year-old daughter, Adrian Hale. And they were both found brutally murdered on January 30th, 1986. They were living in uh, a small city called Bremerton, Washington. They had, uh, Nikki had moved there uh, because of Adrian's father, Kenny, when they were dating, he was in the Navy and they'd moved there. But after the breakup, she stayed in Bremerton. She kind of established her own life there. They co-parented their daughter together. Um, and, you know, she was, you know, life was good. She ended up meeting someone else and got engaged and um, ended up getting pregnant. And her and her uh, fiance, they ended up having a son. And so Nikki was moving on with her life. 
um, and was also planning to move to San Diego because her um, then-fiancé had been transferred to a base in San Diego, and so she was planning to move her and the children there. But on January 30th, like I said, her body, her and her daughter's bodies were found inside their apartment. Um, Kenny, the father of Adrian, had been there the day before, the night before, actually, um, when he left, everything seemed fine. But when he came back the following day, about 24 hours later, he found Nikki and his four-year-old daughter's bodies inside the apartment. Um, at first, he was very much a suspect, but uh, they were able to eventually clear him through his alibi and through DNA, which really happened years later. But they ultimately were able to clear him as a suspect. Um, her fiancé was cleared as a suspect. There were other people that they um, investigated, but ultimately they were never able to find the person responsible for Nikki and Adrian's murder. And so here we are, 37 years later, and their murder is um, unsolved. And so that's why I chose this story this week. Yeah, I feel like this story was a story where, um, like other stories you talk about, it, you know, uh, they didn't have. Uh, any suspects that they could, you know, kind of pinpoint mm. and the, uh, the evidence was um, kind of limited, mm-hmm. but um, also it's kind of a story where the, the possibilities of what could have happened mm-hmm. is kind of endless. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, let's, let's talk about what you think is important in this case. So this was, this, you know, this was, this case is very much a mystery because of the fact that we do not know who committed this murder. And there are a lot of pieces to this case. Uh, if you listen to the story, you know, there's there's little bits and pieces here and there that kind of lead you to certain maybe theories. And, you know, if you follow us on Instagram and you saw how I posted the other day, because I wanted to kind of see about what people's theories were about who may have killed Nikki and Adrian. And there were a lot of consensus amongst people who they think may have done it or what the what the situation is. But like I said, we're, we're, we're dealing with a mystery because we're dealing with an unsolved murder. And sometimes these types of cases have a way of have it, of the killer kind of being really a surprise. You know what I mean? Like like somebody that people didn't think of. People, right. that, you know what I mean? Like it's it seems like it's an obvious person, but it's it's not. And even for the police. They thought it was an obvious person because they thought it was Kenny. And Kenny was the most obvious suspect because of his relationship and proximity and all the things that police thought. But ultimately, Kenny was cleared and he was not responsible for, for this, you know. So for me, I, I think when I start off with the things that are interesting about this case, I start off with the obviously the I start off with the murder itself because obviously. It's there's things that are going on in in Adrian's life, but like I said, for me, it it really starts with the the murder itself. And my biggest question, or I guess I shouldn't say my biggest question, but one of my biggest questions is why nobody heard anything. We're talking about a, a relatively small city, so that know. sticks out to you why why no one in the neighborhood heard nobody in the neighborhood okay. didn't heard anything. Now Nikki lives in a duplex apartment. Um, she has a neighbor next door now. We know from the story that Pam is the neighbor, and Pam pretty much is like, I didn't hear anything. 
it it it's it, it is abnormal for me not to hear anything because I usually can hear everything that's going on in in Nikki's apartment. Now, but, in those in those comments that that was on Instagram, just mm-hmm. to interject, you know, mm-hmm. somebody said, you know, you know, this show is all about you know just yeah. options of what might have happened. You know, somebody said Pam. What happened? Yeah, What's that, up that with Pam, Pam was Pam was yeah. suspicious. Yeah. I mean, I think that Pam is suspicious, but let me. I'm I'm gonna go back. We are gonna go back to that. But let me just let me just. I'm just saying. No, no, yeah, no, it's yeah. Like, I, I get it, but let me just let me just kind of. So Pam says to police, um, you know, this is obviously after um, Nikki and Adrian's murder. She tells them, you know, I didn't hear anything. I usually do hear things. I can, you know, like I said, the the walls are thin. They share a wall. They're they're next door neighbors. So this is not even like a um, upstairs downstairs duplex. This is a side by side duplex apartment. So they live directly next door to each other. Um. And she says she doesn't hear anything. Now, one of the reasons why Pam says that she uh, may not have heard anything is she says that she had an ear infection or something like that that may have impacted her hearing. She basically wasn't feeling good. Um, And so that's why she didn't hear anything. Um, And obviously, if Pam didn't hear anything, you know, it's very questionable because like why didn't she hear anything i mean we're talking about a, a strangulation um and not only that they said that there was some there was a struggle, struggle. Yeah, yeah there was a struggle yeah. like there was a struggle between nikki and this um murderer there also um police believe that nikki was possibly sexually assaulted and so if there was a sexual assault that happened beforehand nikki wasn't yelling she wasn't right you know um and maybe Maybe she wasn't at that, you know, I don't know. Maybe she was afraid of waking up her children at that point, you know. Who who knows? But the fact that nobody heard anything is very interesting to me. It's a very interesting part of the case because it's like, like I said, you're talking about not a big city. You ain't talking about a city where there's constantly things going on. And, you know. And I looked at, I I even looked at that, that part of town is really, looked really quiet. Yeah, it looks really quiet. And the actual... Street that Nikki lived on was actually a cul-de-sac. Yeah. So you're talking about like it's a it's a cold. It's not even like a street that people are driving down. There's cars constantly. People have to. It's a cul-de-sac. She lived on on one side of a of a cul-de-sac. So it, it's 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 a very what seems to me to be a very quiet neighborhood. And the fact that two people were strangled to death uh, inside, you know, an apartment and a duplex is and nobody heard anything is. Is very um, it's just weird, you know. Right. It's it's weird, and like I said, especially when you're talking about a struggle, you're talking about strangulation. It, it would seem to me that somebody would have hurt something, and maybe somebody did, but it didn't resonate with them. They didn't remember, you know. That's always possible too, you know. But whatever they did or didn't hear, we it didn't it didn't matter because it didn't lead police to a suspect. And also nobody saw anything, you know, nobody saw anything that would have been useful. So, you know, even if somebody did hear something, if they didn't see anything, how useful would it have been? Even for Pam, even for Pam, if Pam had heard something, unless she had looked out of her window and saw the person fleeing from the apartment, she wouldn't have, um, you know, saw anything that would have been, been useful. I mean, I guess the only thing that you could gather is that if she had heard something that she thought was alarming, she would have went over there and checked on Nikki or 
whatever. But, you know, who who knows? You know, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, now, I, you keep mentioning uh, mentioning uh, strangulation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did a little research this week. Mm-hmm. I'll continue to do from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, strangulation, uh, uh, they're saying, is different. Um, than some of the other forms forms of abuse, of because they're saying that uh, this is research, saying that strangulation kind of shows that a pattern that the next time they might encounter their their abuser, um, that abuser might kill them. Mm. Um, just saying, just as that, a pattern of behavior, just as a pattern mm-hmm. of behavior, and um, I think it's crazy because it's it's really connected to domestic abuse, mm-hmm. which is usually connected to a partner. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of weird that, you know... Yeah, um, that strangulation is a is a, a very strange... I mean, I think that, you know, and that kind of leads me into my next point because I fully believe that Nikki knew her killer. I think she knew her killer for multiple reasons. Now, number one, I think that she knew her killer based on what people said about Nikki. That she wasn't someone who would have just opened the door for anyone in the middle of the night. She was very careful about about that, about people coming to her door. Um, People who knew her said that even if they came to her door unannounced and she didn't want you there, she would not open the door. She wanted those people. That's like a me. That's a me. Don't show up at my door unannounced. (laughs) You didn't call and said you was coming. I'm not home. You know what I mean? (laughs) So she was one of those types. So therefore, um, this was not only, in my opinion, wasn't not only somebody that she knew, but somebody that she didn't mind allowing into her home at night right. while her children were asleep. Yeah. So this, to me, gives me the impression that it is somebody that she um, knew. Now, how she knew them and what the relationship was between them, I don't know. Now, I saw when we did the when I did the questions on Instagram, um, the the story when I did posted in the story. About people's theories. Right. Um, I saw somebody said murder for hire. Now, I think that that's an interesting point because I too, as I was researching this story and thinking like, well, maybe this is a murder for hire yeah. and that's why this is what it is. Now, let me let me tell you something. Yeah. You know why I thought it was a murder for hire? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll go on to the, uh, the guy that was clear, Otha. Mm-hmm. The, her, her fiance. Yeah. So, I don't know what the relationship was like with... Um, her and her ex, but you know, according to the story, like they were pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And you just never know, you know. Yeah, you like never know. I'm not victim blaming, but you no. never know what, like, how cool somebody is mm-hmm. with, you know, with their ex or with their baby mom. Yeah. And that might get uncomfortable to Very somebody true. else. So the fact that they said, you know, he was he was mm-hmm. miles away doesn't mean, yeah, you know, in theory. Like I said, these are all theories. This yeah, nothing, if we're just yeah throwing things um, out there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nothing to say that you know somebody wasn't sent. Yeah, no, exactly. And anything, like I said, it's anything is possible. It it, it very much could have been. But here's the the reason why. And like I said, the reason why I don't think it was a murder for hire goes back to the reason that I just, you know, that I started this part off with, which is that I believe she knew her killer. Right. If it had been a murder for hire, this would have been a stranger coming to her door in the middle of the night. And maybe not an aggressive strangulation like personal. Exactly. The other thing, that's that's my other point. Strangulation is a personal type of of thing. That's that's why I put Yeah, a murder for hire would have come prepared. They would have came with a gun. This would have been bam, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Take this woman out and go ahead out the door. 
the strangulation implies that it was personal, that maybe it was unprepared, that maybe it was uh, right. um, definitely unprepared. Heat of, heat of passion yeah. type of crime. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's why I don't believe that it was a murder for hire. Okay. That my that I am I very much that. convinced that this was someone that Nikki knew. The other reason why I believe that it was someone Nikki knew is that's why Adrian was killed. Because it wasn't just some random person that Adrian at four years old would not have been able to identify unless the person had was caught, put in a lineup, and then they would have to rely on the testimony of, of a, a four-year-old four old girl. Right. Wow. If not, it, unless it was someone that Adrian knew. And right. she could say, it was such and such. It was Mr. Such and such. It was If she could say that, that, that's a completely different kind of witness than, that looks like the man that was in mommy's apartment. My apartment you know what right. I mean? Like... And so that makes it even more of a reason why poor Adrian was murdered because this was someone that not only she could be a witness, or she, but this was somebody that she could identify and identify quickly if police were to say who was here tonight with mommy, right? You know, so those are my those are those are those are all of my reasons about why I believe that Adrian, I'm sorry, that Nikki knew her killer. That Nikki knew who this person was, that she allowed them into her home that night, and I don't know what transpired. Now, what I don't know is whether or not that person came there that night with the intention to kill her, or something transpired that night while they were there, and they ended up killing her. That I cannot, I don't know. For some reason, I lean towards the latter, that something happened that night, and that it resulted in in, in Nikki's murder, because just doesn't Nikki doesn't seem like this person that would have somebody like plotting and planning to kill her. You know what I mean? Despite the fact that she has this, you know, she kind of seems to have a lot going on. She's, you know, engaged, she's moving. She got this, you know, really cordial relationship with her baby daddy. She got Antoine coming by. You know, all of those things play a factor, but plot and plan to kill her and her four-year-old over it, that's a lot. You know what I mean? And then, like I said, and then come unprepared to strangle them. Strangle her, you know. So I don't think, I don't think that it was a murder for hire. I do not think that it was a um, uh, a, a random person. I do believe that it was someone that she knows, and I lean more towards the possibility that something transpired transpired during that that night. You know what I mean? Because yeah. um, the other reason, back like I said, back to. Nikki's personality and her being a careful and conscious person. I also don't necessarily believe that if she was having some type of issue with this person where she felt like they might do something to her, that she would let them into her home in the middle of the night. So this had to have, to me, in my opinion, had to have been somebody that she had no idea was going to do this. This right. was not somebody that she was having an issue with. It did, you know, so yeah. Um, let's talk about all the top suspects and uh DNA. Yes, good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we know about the DNA is so they collect they collect they're able to collect DNA um, from the crime scene. Now we're talking 1986, talking about 37 years ago, um, and DNA was very much in its infancy in terms of how they were able to test it and what type of DNA they were even able to test. Yeah, uh, so, I never like. I'm gonna be real with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this is a side note. Mm-hmm. I don't like the DNA thing, man. Like, I, I don't like. I don't like me. I don't like me in jail. And you tell me, so we looked at the. This, you know what I mean. I'm just saying well, this DNA is a theory. Its, I really don't like DNA. DNA and, I, is, and of course, <laughs> I'm just saying if if it was yeah, no, if it was but, me, well, you know what I mean. DNA like, is so something matched, that like, and I'm is, like, it didn't match. I think no. DNA is a, it's it's, def- it's most definitely a science. There right. is. It's there are times where 
um, DNA can be tainted. It can be wrong. Right. But DNA also has played parts in as much as it also has... Not, well, I won't say in as much. But it is in the same way that it can convict someone, it can also exonerate right. someone. Right, and it has. And so that's that's how you know that it's an... that the importance like, of it. Like, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like it's one it's, thing if people are getting thrown in jail over it, right. but it's a whole other thing if somebody is getting exonerated who's been okay. sitting on, on, on in jail for 35 years and they finally able to test the DNA from a rape kit and figure out that it's not this man's DNA. That, you know, so th- that's why, um, that's why I feel, you know, strongly about DNA in a, in, in a way. But like, okay. you know, I've watched, there was a documentary one time on Netflix and they were talking about, um, Oh goodness! They were talking about it wasn't about necessarily DNA, but it was about um, phone records right. and about how inaccurate phone records can be. And a lot of people, you know, based it as a sign. Well, his phone record said that he was here at two forty-five, but sometimes phone records can be wrong because they're basing it off pings from a cell phone tower. But something could be going on with that cell phone tower, so right. it's going to ping to the next closest cell. You could have been five miles away. Oh my lord! Um, and so there's 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 um, yeah. There's there's thing and and also a lot of these things are being conducted by human beings right. who are flawed right. who are who make mistakes yeah. you know there was the one about the the the, the drug woman who, was, who they had to throw out all of her drug cases because she was in the lab like snorting cocaine from the drugs that she was supposed to be testing so we're talking about people so so when you talk about DNA yes it is a science but when you're depending on sometimes on people to um, collect DNA correctly. To submit it correctly, to do all of those things, there, there's instances where it can be tainted and it can give them the incorrect results and, and things like that. So, you know, I get it. But in this particular case, what we know is that they were able to collect the DNA. Um, they collected DNA from off of the baby, off, off baby Marcus, um, you know, other other places. And the crazy part is, is that they really were not able to test that DNA until 2009. So we're talking about yeah, 30 yeah. years later, um, 20, well, 20, 22 years later, they're able to, to test this DNA. Um, and that's how they're ultimately able to exonerate Kenny because they're able to test his DNA against the sample and realize that it's not his DNA. What they also had was a unknown DNA that they didn't know who it belonged to. And they were able to um, track uh, Marcus down. Babe, the baby Marcus was now a grown man. And they were able to track him down. And they were able to test his DNA. And they figured out that the DNA belonged to him. And so that kind of set them back in terms of them being able to test, you know, the, them their, the samples of DNA that they had. Now, what they still had, like I said, they, the DNA they had, they tested it against... Uh, Kenny, it wasn't his. They tested it against uh, the fiance. It wasn't his. Um, one of the samples they had, they thought maybe it was going to lead them to their suspect, ended up being belonging to Marcus, okay. Nikki's son. But they were able to find other partial DNA. The problem with the partial DNA, and I'm and I know this is one of the questions, so I'm just going to go ahead and, and answer because a lot of people it. ask, ask this no, question. Go for it. The reason why they couldn't, they they they, they couldn't. Um, submit this to CODIS, which is the national database for DNA, and they're able to test, is because it's a partial sample. And people were like, well, why are they not able to, to test it? Now, my assumption, I'm not no forensic expert, so, but my assumption, and based on what I could 
figure out is that they can't test a partial DNA sample. They need a full DNA sample to run it through this database. I think that possibly what a partial DNA sample would get them was a bunch of a bunch of results when they need to be able to narrow it down. And so obviously because like I said the the the, the detective is saying that legally he can't do it. Clearly there is a legal standard for what the DNA sample has to consist of before they can run it through this database. It doesn't mean that they can't use it, but it puts them at a disadvantage because now what they have to do is wait until they find a suspect that they can then test that partial sample against. And that's where they are right now, which is they need a name. They need somebody to say, oh, it was such and such and so-and-so. And then they can go and talk to such and such and so-and-so and ask them for a DNA sample. Okay. And then they give them the DNA and they test it against their partial sample. And they can say, you know, whatever to, you know, that this is the person. That right. This is likely the person. And then they can build their case out from, from there. Wow. But right now that they don't have that. So that's that's where they are with the DNA. So, you know, people were like, you know, after 37 years, you know, they 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 getting closer. Like, unfortunately, it, it, it when you talk about, you know, I, I I don't know if I said this, but when you when you talk about cases that happened so long ago, you you do they they were at a disadvantage when it comes to DNA and when it comes to forensics. Uh, we know that this case didn't get a bunch of headlines and a bunch of stories. Um, at that time, there was no uh, 24-hour news cycles. There were no social media. People relied on the local news, and they relied on newspapers. And so, no, this definitely was not uh, a national story. It was not a big story. There were not very many articles even about this story. But... Aside from that, the investigation itself would have been hindered by some of their inability to um, test certain types of DNA and certain, you know, and certain things. There was no surveillance. There were no cell phones that they could track. There were none of those things. And, you know, the police didn't have any leads. You know, they they had a few, like I said in the episode, they investigated a few people, a neighbor that had babysit Adrian, a man whose car was in this area at the time, but they didn't really have anything solid. Right. And they never were able to pinpoint in on the suspect. I think probably, I'm sure at the beginning, they were hoping it was just Kenny because that would have just been easy, open and shut case. It's Kenny, let's throw him in jail. But it wasn't Kenny. Kenny was just a father who you know, whose daughter was murdered and who, who, and her mother, and he, you know, tragically found the bodies and now has had to live all of these years trying to figure out why. And interestingly enough, Kenny has been the only one that I could really tell that has been continuously speaking out about this case. Hmm. In every story that I found about this case where there's an interview, Kenny is the only one that is being interviewed. I haven't seen anyone else speak out. I know her mother passed away. I didn't see ever any mention about Nikki's father. I, you know, like I said in the episode, the information about her background is very scarce, despite the fact that this has been covered on, you know, multiple shows. There's just not a lot of information about her. So even about siblings and things like that, I couldn't find an obituary for Nikki or Adrian. So I don't really know what their what her family dynamic was, um, where she came from in Indiana. But like I said, the only person that has consistently been speaking out about this case and about these murders is Kenny. And so I think because so much of his life was affected by the 
the cloud of suspicion. It was kind of like the Janelle Melton case where her her ex was under this cloud of suspicion for for years. It, Kenny has experienced the same thing, and yeah. he experienced it for a long time because it was decades before the DNA was even able to to clear him. You know, and even with that. It doesn't change the fact that for for people who think that he did it or whatever, because that initially he was a suspect, you know his his reputation has been tarnished by it. And on top of that, he his daughter was murdered. So I you know I just thought that was a a very interesting um, no. And and it's and that's the second case now where we've seen this happen, where the the ex is immediately considered a suspect and then ultimately not the person who committed the murder, but yet has to kind of fight to get their name back. And uh, it's just something that I, in all, you know, all this time I've been doing the show, we haven't really come across, but yeah. to come across it in two episodes um, to two stories kind of close together like that is really strange. But once again, it's just a lesson about how, you know, you can't jump to conclusions. You have to really, um, you know, look and it's the, okay to the theorize. Yeah, yeah, look, you got to look at the totality. Everybody, the especially case, if yeah. you're listening to this case, like, of course, you're going to theorize. You're going to yeah. come up with things. But thinking of things and may what have hap- may, what may have happened is completely different than um, harassing someone or accusing them of a murder that they didn't commit or, you know, that that type of thing. That right. that That is unnecessary, you know. So, um, you know, you got to kind of wait it out and see what happens. Yeah. All right. Well, um, before we get into just the question and comment uh, part, um, we talked about strangulation a lot in this case, and we always talk about um, domestic violence. And um, something that I also realized during this case as I was, you know, kind of looking at the case, um, Section 2718, and this is Pennsylvania uh, domestic violence law. Now, I don't, I don't know what it might be in your state, mm-hmm. but um, it says uh, Title 18 of the Crimes Code and allows um, defendants to be charged with the crime of strangulation as well as a felony charges in domestic violence. So basically, if you strangle someone, it is a felony and it carries up to a 10 year sentence. So yeah. even if, you know, um, uh, it's hard, kind of hard to prove it um, just because, you know, you might not always see a bruise or a mark. Yeah. And um, you're talking about like, and when the person has not died, this is just this like is, the act this, of strangulation. Yeah. Like if you, if you, if you, if you're in a fight and you put your hand around somebody's neck mm-hmm. and, tie, and try to strangle them and it can be proved that it happened. Yeah, because go, I mean, essentially, it's attempted murder. Yeah. Like you're you're putting your arm, your hands around someone's neck to obstruct their breathing, right? And they could potentially die. You could something could snap. Like so, it, it makes sense that 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 it would carry that type of a sentence for that type of offense because it's just like it, it's essentially the same thing as if you just walked up to somebody and stabbed them. Like right. they could die. Like yeah. you know, you you're you're doing something that can actively. Um, you know, put someone's life in danger. So that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I just came across in case, you know, cause you know, you, you hear, you hear, um, the, the term strangulation mm-hmm. and, you know, you only, re- you only in this situation kind of compare it to you strangled someone till you die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, just that, that, that just it only that, results in death, death but it right. doesn't always result in death. It can right. just, be something that happened during a fight or like you said, during a domestic situation. So, yeah. yeah. All right, let's go to some 
um, comments and questions. Okay. I don't know how many questions that we have, but I'm definitely going to do comments. Ah, uh, this is one. Mm-hmm. I think it was, and this is just, uh, you know, IG comments. Mm-hmm. I think it was done by Antoine mm-hmm. or someone <laughs> in the neighborhood who might have been stalking Nikki. That was yeah. a very, very quiet, rural-looking neighborhood. Yeah. It might have been someone stalking Nikki. So I know a I, lot of people um, have suspicions about the Antoine character. Um, you know, we don't know much about Antoine. I, I, I thought that he was a very interesting part of this story also because of the fact that he, he'd come to the apartment um, he knocked on the door. He brought someone else with him. You know, he went next door to Pam's house, see if Pam knew where she was. Then he was walking around the neighborhood looking for her. Um, you know, I, I, I questioned because I wanted, I'm really interested to know what exactly was Antoine and Nikki's relationship. You know what I mean? Like why, you know, was he, was he just a friend? Because Guys usually are not like that. Like guys, guys usually are not that. In, like if he knocked on your door, he wasn't there. Usually, would just leave. The fact that he like went next door and then was like right. canvassing the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like that Especially to me. We just friends. Yeah, like, we just friends. Like I just came over to just like chill with you for the day, and you wasn't home. Like most guys were just like okay. <laughs> so that to me um, was is very strange about him. Now, the police definitely uh, you know spoke to him, and like I said in the episode, although. They never officially named him a suspect. They also were not able to rule him out as a suspect, which I thought is very interesting because, you know, police usually, you know, they they choose their words very carefully. And so for them to say that they haven't been able to rule him out as a suspect is, uh, I think it's an, an important part of the story. Uh, but like I said, I don't know. I think that anything is possible. And I think that, you know, like I said, I think I think it would be, Good to know if we knew more about Antoine. I would be interested to know how much more the police know about Antoine. Now, I know another situation, um, and this was in the the episode of the Paul is on show. Uh, the police revealed that Antoine, after this had happened, was was convicted of, I believe it was convicted of, um, like sexual abuse of a child, something something along those lines. And so it kind of raised the detective's suspicions that maybe this was about Adrian and not about Nikki. And that maybe uh, possibly something had happened to Adrian. And that's what this all was about. Like maybe Adrian had been sexually abused or something like that. So I don't know. But, you know, I think that being suspicious of Antoine is not like a far reach. We just don't know. We just don't know anything about him. You know, we just we know that he was there, and um, like I said, it'd be interesting to know to know what the police know, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go. And this is kind of I see kind of uh, everybody kind of agree with the kind of same sentiments mm-hmm. of. Um, what happened? Some different, some different stuff. But um, someone says, "Sound like she and the child knows." Um, sound like sound like someone she and the child knows, and it's possible the child could identify 
the killer. Yeah. And that's what you said. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree. Um, I have another one. Uh, we all we already talked about Pam, right? Then we mm-hmm. talk about Pam. Yeah, we talked bit. about Pam. Um, and you did address the legal issues preventing them from comparing the DNA to the yeah, system. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So I guess I guess this week you got everything within the yeah. within the uh, within your rebuttal. Yeah, I tried to. <laughs> you know, I think that you know sometimes I think when we. It's funny because we listen. We, when I tell these stories, and then you guys listen to them, they know what's um, going on. Yeah, y'all know man. what's going they on. Smart, like, y'all, these, are, these is the smart folks. <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all listen to the story, <laughs> and the real I, I think they intelligent folks. You know, you you see the same things that I see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, sometimes you guys have questions about stuff that I didn't see, but I think a lot of times we're pretty much on the same page. Um, so you know. Still keep asking your questions and keeping them coming because I see the questions and they're things that I take in consideration as I'm preparing for afterthoughts also. So that's a lot of times why the questions are being addressed in my, um, you know, in, in what I'm doing. Because I've already saw the questions. So I know that you guys, that's what you're thinking. I was thinking that. So I might as well just, you know, get out the way and let's, let's you know, get straight to it. Yeah, so, um, yeah. but yeah, so I, I think that, yeah, we, we were on the same page about this case. Like I said, this story is very much a mystery, and I think that there are a lot of possibilities. Like I said, people have a lot of the same theories. Some people have different theories about what may have happened. But ultimately, the most important thing is that this case is unsolved. And like I said before, the detectives are close to figuring out who did this. And they're close because if someone is to come forward and lead them in the correct direction, they could possibly solve this case after all of this time. And I think that's what everyone involved deserves, Kenny particularly. Like, there, there has to be a closure to this. It's been a lifetime. Like I said, this, is, this has happened before I was born. Adrian was born in November 1981. So that means she was born a month before you were born. She'd be your age right now. You know what I mean? Like, this is a woman who would have lived an entire, she would have been a grown woman, lived an entire life by now. And all of that was taken away from them. You know what I'm saying? All of that was cut short. But it's not, it's not so long that the people connected to this case are dead and gone. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that, I mean, people could have died, but it's not, you know, you get what I'm saying. Like, it's not this crazy amount of time. You know what I mean? Um, That, you know, went by. Kenny is still a very, you know, young man in a, in, in a sense, you know what I mean? And so people who were his age in 1986, these people, they, they, they remember, they know, right. they, they, somebody, somebody knows. And then you're talking about a small town that these were yeah. the fourth and fifth homicide in a, in the past year. And this says it's not some crazy wild town full right. of crime and home invasions and all yeah, this. It ain't LA. Yeah. Like, <laughs> This is a small, a navy it's a very town. Small town, a navy town. It's a most cute of the town too. yeah, most of the people that live there are work on the make work on the navy yard or yeah. in the navy. Like this is not that type of area. And yes, crime can happen anywhere, and you're not a hundred percent, a hundred percent safe anywhere, especially in the United States of America. You're hundred percent safe anywhere, but we know that this was. You know, we can kind of see what this is, yeah. and like I said, somebody knows what happened, and you know. It's just like I said, what's the reason why I wanted to tell this story? I know people, some people have known this story, but some people didn't. And 
You know, you never know. Somebody might remember something from Bremerton, Washington in January 1985. Yeah. And that's why you got, I mean, always you got to do it. You know, people be like, why, why are you bringing up old stuff? Because yeah, you got to. Right. right. You got to <laughs> bring it up for, for it to be, you know, yeah. people's view. Well, um, Most definitely. Before you close out, mm-hmm. um, I want to uh, just remind everybody. Um, to follow Black Girl Going on YouTube. Yeah, uh, we're on YouTube, guys. So in case you're somewhere and you can't listen to it on your phone, but you have access to, somehow access to YouTube but not your phone. Um, yeah, and some of the episodes actually have like, you know, I've done videos for some of the episodes. Not all of the episodes, but some of the episodes do have video um, you know, that I do just, you know, for the YouTube audience. Yeah, we just, she just started putting it on putting yeah and it's not YouTube, something that so. i do for every single episode because um it's just you know it's not you know, it's just me so i'm trying my <laughs> best over here guys but so i don't do it for every single episode i don't want you to feel like you've been missing out on like you know all these but mass, it's uh, mass but, produced but it's other it's, it's, it's other stuff coming on youtube so yeah so go just ahead over go ahead and support the youtube channel um oh. it's just like like jason said it's just another way to listen and I think YouTube is trying to like make it easier for people to listen to podcasts yeah. on YouTube. So it's just another way for you to support Black Girl Gone and support us and what we're doing um, here on our podcast and on our YouTube channel. So yes, it's the same as you know everything Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. If you go to you know Instagram or Facebook, you, you search go to the it, link. It'll come up. Yeah, or if you go to the link. It's like right in the the link tree. So. You know, you'll you'll find us. But yeah, go ahead and give us a follow on there. And then the uh, last thing I want to say is or June. Subscribe. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying don't follow <laughs> subscribe because it's subscribe on YouTube. But yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um June is Black Music Month. And we are headed out of Black Music Month. So um to end the show. As a musician, I just want to say uh shout out to all the people that sing, rap. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, play instruments. You play. Amar used to play cello in in middle school, y'all. She yeah. played cello, so she's a musician. And sometimes yeah, we, like, <laughs> but you did play cello. I though. did when I was yeah. A and it's all part of the arts. That's that. I say all I have to say is all everything is a part of the arts and it's a part of greatness. So if you are a musician, um, you know, celebrate yourself. If you are a singer, a rapper, a writer, songwriter. Celebrate yourself, uh, Black uh, Music Month, and all the greats that um, (laughs) do music. And that's all I got. Okay. Well, I just wanted to, you know, as always, thank you guys for listening to this week's Afterthoughts. Um, Like I said, it was a tough case this week. We, you know, I I hate talking about the murders of children. It's never, um, never, never gets easier. It's never, you know, something's the hardest type of case to to cover when when these things happen. But like I said, this was an important case. So I appreciate you guys listening, um, engaging with the episode, your questions this week, um, you know, letting me know what your theories were of this case. Uh, and I'll try to, you know, do that a little bit more just to kind of get, you know, because I like, I like to know what you guys are thinking as you're listening or after you're listening to the show. So um, we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode. Um, I know the fourth is on Tuesday, but we will still have a new episode on Monday. And then um, we'll be back next week with another Afterthoughts. So um, thank you guys so much. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.